Hello and welcome to the Draft Talk podcast. The Draft Talk podcast talks exclusively about the NFL Draft, bringing you news, interviews, scouting reports and, of course, our legendary top fives. I'm your host today, Brian, and I'm joined by a full house of the 99 Yards Draft team legends, Owen, MJ, Stu and Craig. How are you doing, guys? Very good, Brian. I can't believe we're into uh, single figures now in days as we as we approach the draft. So if my friends or family are listening, if I'm if I'm not paying attention to you, you're not you know thinking I'm away in a mood. It's just I'm thinking, oh, I wonder who the Houston Texans are going to pick at three, or who who the Jets going to trade down for. So yeah, no offense to anyone, but it's full on draft week, isn't it? Um, yeah, Brian, really looking forward to to this podcast. Uh, great to have everybody here, and can't wait to talk about these quarterback prospects. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the first time that we've had everyone on together. So, yeah, brilliant to be to be back. You cooked without us last week, so yeah, hopefully we're in for a good one now. And I'm I'm back for probably only my second show, but really excited to be part of it. And and what better way to get back into it than with this quarterback class that I'm sure is going to be very entertaining when we come to working out who's got what where. Yep, entertaining is one word for it. Um, our lovely, loyal, regular listeners will know we're coming to the very end of our top five series, which can only mean, only mean two things. Firstly, the draft is very soon. And secondly, it's time we finally do the quarterbacks. That's right. The quarterbacks are finally taking centre stage in our top five series. We usually run through five up to one, uh, each scout saying what they think. Um, but I think that'll be a bit... Hmm, going to be crazy so we're not doing that i'm calling an audible a quarterback praise for you there and we're going to go prospect by prospect we're going to talk about him then we're going to say where we rate him and then we'll figure out all we need to know about this quarterback class right without further ado let's get started um all right i'll come to you first uh, we'll start with your number five quarterback that is a member of the nevada Wolfpack. tell us about carson strong yeah, you know, I was going to say that your decision-making and audibles are probably better than half the quarterbacks in this class. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Carson Strong is my number five quarterback from Nevada. He was a guy that's been spoken about, I would say, a lot. But I would think that his knee injury has certainly been knocking him down boards recently. Over his career, a really good CV, you have to say, over 70%. Uh, completion percentage while he's been playing injured as well and he's got some of those traits that I think I'd be happy to hang my hat on and we'll come on to some of the quarterbacks where maybe I don't um, as a quarterback I think his mechanics are, are pretty on point uh, he's been working on he's been with uh, Jordan Palmer working on them this offseason as well experimenting with some different angles and stuff like that and apparently he's uh, he's come on as a thrower as well uh, I think he's done a lot in, in the Nevada scheme as well. He's been given ring to set his coverages pre-snap and, and he's been able to call doubles and options, which is which is really good. He's been knocked down because he isn't mobile. And outside of the pocket, it, he really isn't. You know, As a running threat, he actually has minus 208 yards on 51 rushes for his career. So you know what you're going to get when you, when you draft him. Um, you know, most of those are going to come on where he's trying to escape sacks and things like that. You know, he's not he's not a runner and you know doesn't often often try that. But 
I think his, his processing, his decision making, I think he's up there with, with some of the best in his class. Uh, probably if you get him behind a good line where he's not going to have to go rushing about where he can just uh, you know, dink balls off where, where he needs to uh, get him some decent weapons as well. And I think he could be a much better prospect than, than some people think, you know, that, um, that Russian threat hasn't knocked him down, but I do think his movement within the pocket is relatively good. It's just outside of the pocket where, where he struggles, but get him in a system where he can be a distributor. And I think he could be a really good quarterback. Yeah, so Car- Carson Strong is is your right. I think if if we were we doing this 10, 15 years ago, Carson Strong would be much much higher on people's yeah. uh, radar. I, I think the fact that his mobility outside the pocket is next to next to non-existent, shall we say, is why now when we're seeing all these quarterbacks who can create off-platform, run around, make things happen. And a lot of teams are now, it's a copycat league. So if, if one team has started doing well with that, other teams are going to want that as well. Um, but I think for, for Carson Strong, he he's someone who throws the ball very well. He's got superb um, arm strength. He The ball just kind of flies out of his hands. Um, he is good at going through his progressions. Um, but if, 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 if that one player that is his primary option maybe isn't as free as he wants, he's not got that ability to move around. So he sometimes does try to, to force the ball a little bit because of that. Um, but one of his best assets is he does, he does really take care of the football very well. He, he doesn't make stupid decisions that, that some of these other guys maybe do. Um, he's very good with the deep ball. He keeps his eyes up and, and looking around him. And he seems to sense that pressure quite well of, you know, when to when to maybe take a step forward in the pocket or a little bit of a sidestep. Um, for me, we're talking top fives. Carson Strong's quarterback six. So he's, he, he, I think, I think that, um, I think you can throw a blanket over a lot of these guys, and and you're not going to be far wrong with them. But for me, he his his mobility maybe just knocked him down that little step. Yeah, I, I, not not too much to add other than I was trying to think of different ways to put it. And I don't know if this sounds sound right or wrong, but I'd agree with you. I'm, from the waist up, Carson Strong, I, I can't really fault him. And, you know, great arm talent. He is he's got good footballing IQ. Um, the, all the reports say he's got, you know, excellent sort of leadership ability and those sorts of qualities. Um, I think as we've said, the, the two the two concerns are, are the knee and then obviously linked to that, the, the mobility. Um, and I'd be with Stu that he'd, he'd be just outside my top five. And I'm in exactly the same position as Stu and MJ. He's my QB6 as well for exactly the same reasons. I'm worried about the mobility. I'm worried about him outside the pocket. And I'm worried as to how what he's done at Nevada translates into an NFL offence. So exactly the same reasons as the guys have just explained. He's outside of my top five as well. Yeah, I get it. I just wanted to throw him in there so we could uh, speak a bit about him as well, so we could get all six of them, six of them mentioned. But say so he's got, he's, you know, you're buying into the to the arm strength and the the accuracy that he has with the arm strength, and say that he's that's one of those traits where you can hang your hat on. And the guy that I have at number six, I don't necessarily show he, he has one. Yeah, well, my first top five of the year, Carson Strong sneaks in as my number five. Um, I mean, you've said it all there, guys. He's, as you say, he's, his arm's great, his technique's great. He is a prototypical sort of old school, 90s, early noughties quarterback. 
Um, and that's going to put some teams off because he isn't very mobile. But I absolutely love watching his technique. I uh, I coach under-14s and I almost wanted to say, look, watch Carson Strong because his technique is, is fantastic and that, that's how he can uh, launch the ball everywhere. But yeah, he's not got that mobility um, and I sort of think he might struggle at the next level. But he is my number five. There we go. That wasn't too much carnage, was it? We'll see how we get on. Um, next up, Craig, you've got Desmond Ritter as your number five. Uh, tell us what you like about the uh, QB from Cincinnati. This is a really tough one, right? Because we're talking, he's he's at my number five. What do I like about him? And actually, there's a load of buzz out there at the moment going, oh, Desmond Ritter's going in the top 10. There's a bunch of teams that love Desmond Ritter in the top half of the first round. And I don't get that. Now, what do I like about Ridder? He won an awful lot of games at Cincinnati. He's accurate with the football. He knows how to get a job done. And I think that, to me, is the best thing I can say about him, is he knows how to get a job done. Now, everybody's talked about this quarterback class not being up to the standards of, of some of the recent years. And the fact we're having a debate about Desmond Ridder in the top five, I think, tells you all you probably need to know. Is Desmond Ridder on the sort of par as, say, someone like a Kellen Mond last year, who I know Chris Sims had in his top two or three or something, but for me was nowhere near. And I suspect looking at the faces I can see on screen, probably similar for the rest of you. Um, there's not a lot to me in, in Desmond Ridder's game that says I'm going to be an NFL starting quarterback. And I'm just as I said at the start, that whole buzz about him going top 10, I really just don't get it because I don't see the ability to make all of the throws. I don't see the the creativity, the decision-making, that precision that you require from an elite NFL starter. Um, so look, I, I've just spent the last minute probably downplaying Desmond Ridder here, but he makes my top five above Carson Strong because... To me, Carlson Strong is even more limited for the reasons the guys talked about, not able to roll out, worried about the knee injury. So Ridder just pips him, but I'm not in any way here saying Desmond Ridder is going to be the answer for any team that picks him as a future starting quarterback. OK, so so I'll, I'll jump in on Ridder. And until about last week, I had Ridder about five as well, but... I've, I've kind of rethought how I've done this top five. So so actually he comes in at three for me in the end. Um, and I think it is it is down to that experience and the fact that he's been a leader. He's been, you know, a four-year starter. Um, and there is a lot of buzz around him at the moment. I think he has come through the draft process well. I, th- I, I wonder whether, and maybe this is something to do with the way quarterbacks have gone recently, maybe for him and Pickett, who we'll talk about later, some of the more experienced guys are getting a bit bit more buzz about them. Um, I think there are some things that he needs to work on. I think his footwork, I think he's, he's throwing action, the, the, the mechanics around the role of the quarterback need looking at. Um, but I do like his pocket awareness. I think he is quite a quick processor. Um, and I think it is that it's the experience. Now, if I, um, I put a caveat in here, because I don't like the accuracy, and that's something that has to be worked on. And looking through his stats, 
from 14 games on six of those he barely made 60 percent completion and that's that's a worry and I had a little look back at the last 20 quarterbacks to be drafted high you know first round maybe second round and 14 of those quarterbacks their completion percentage decreases the first year they're in the NFL so I think with all of these guys you know, if your team drafts a quarterback, you've got to be prepared for the, the bumps in the road, as we've seen from the quarterbacks drafted last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when we get around to talking about who I've got at four and five, maybe it'll become a bit more apparent the the rationale I've chosen. But for me, the experience and the leadership brings Desmond Ridder in at number three. And he comes in at number four for me. Uh, I totally agree with what you said there. Accuracy is the big concern for me. Uh, you're definitely going to have to clean that up. And can you teach that? Possibly, but part of it is um, is upstairs, isn't it? And in, in the brain, I, I agree as well. Clearly, got good uh, good leadership, almost like managerial skills, which I think teams will like. He's apparently really good in interviews as well. You know, wins are definitely not a quarterback start, but he's never lost a home game in his college career, which depends whether you think that will count for something or not. Um, do think he offers a little bit of dual threat ability, good, strong enough arm, really good athleticism. I think his testing at the combine was was far better than uh, anyone expected. And I, I think he can escape from pressure as well, which is why he's been marked uh, over Carson Strong. But he's getting a, a lot of hype and is there a way that he isn't taken in the top 20 picks at this point it almost seems like the noise is far too much doesn't it I think it just shows how wild this group is from where I have him so he's actually number two on my list so that just shows the widespread of of, of where we are with these I've got these guys all so closely ranked that, that, that there's not much in it um, and I think for me, he's, a, he's an accomplished player. He's a four-year starter. He's got size. He's got arm talent. He's got that dual threat ability, which means that offensive coordinators are not going to have to take as many plays off the books, potentially, as they are with, with some other players. I think his accuracy is the, is probably the, the, the big thing on. But although he, he's not hugely turnover heavy with that, he's definitely improved over the last year. He's, he's a tough, battle-tested quarterback. He stays tough in the pocket. He's, he's got a live arm. When he's running, he's got size, vision, he can break the tackles. He's not a traditional drop-back passer. There's a lot of RPOs, play actions, manufactured yards in there. But but he's shown a mature head on him. And again, sliding a piece of paper between these guys. But for me, he had a lot of things to work with there that maybe some of the other guys didn't quite have so much there. But again, I think arguing any position in this one, um, I'm not going to hang my hat on and say that he's the second best quarterback definitely and he's going to be moving forward but for me and, and what I was looking for he was number two yeah really didn't quite make my top five he's, he was there or thereabouts um as you said he can he can he can almost do everything but everything's just six out of ten five out of ten like it's it's good he's not great so yeah he's not making my top five there you go um, let's go to the uh, the double glove wearing Pittsburgh record breaker Kenny Pickett. MJ, you like Pickett? Tell us why. Okay, so this this continues the the theme of the experience. So Pickett came in at number two for me in the end, which is is not where I would have placed him a few weeks back. Um, but I kind of looked again, and and you can't deny that the last season 
4,000 yards, 42 touchdowns. Um, the buzz about him grew all the way through the season. Very, very solid, very consistent. Um, doesn't, uh, in terms of pressure, he, he deals very well with pressure in terms of his rating rating under pressure. It doesn't slip as, as considerably as some of the others. Um, he's not a true dual threat, but he can move around in the pocket nicely and he can make throws off. Uh, off platform he's he's by no means got the the livest arm of the group but he does feel pro ready he does he does look like a guy who could slot into an nfl offense the the concerns are are with the hands and you know if they were well i suppose i was i was the guy um rooting for the the short-armed cornerbacks uh, a couple of weeks ago so maybe i should root for the the small-handed uh, quarterbacks this time um it does give you a concern, though, because there's something in the region of, I think it was 38 fumbles during his college career, of which he lost 26 of those. Um, so so that is a concern and that that would need to be um, that would need to be worked on and tidied up considerably. Um, but in this group, which, as we keep going back to, we're all coming out with different evaluations and different different top fives. And I just think that if. If I was to, if I was in that war room trying to recommend a, a quarterback to go for, this uh, a number two for me is my solid number two pick that I think could do a job in his rookie year. Yeah, Pickett, I, I think I found him a difficult player to to gauge. He obviously had a, a significant rise in his his draft potential over the last year. But he had several very meh years before that. Um, he, he does have a good command and confidence of an offense, and I think that comes with with experience he's had. He works through his progressions well, and he generally makes good good choices. He negotiates the pocket well, and, and I think he's he's more athletic than maybe people give him give him credit for. But I think are we are we already at the ceiling with Kenny Pickett? Does he have room to grow anymore? You see these other guys who have got lots of traits that that are maybe coachable. I, I don't know if if Pickett has more to offer than what what we've seen already, and and that's where my concern comes with him. He's maybe more ready now as a pro than the majority of these guys we're going to talk about. But I, I just wonder where do you go from here with Kenny Pickett? Does he have that in him to to progress further and than than what we're seeing now and so for me he comes in at number four. I think Stu's just hit the nail on the head there for me. He's my QB four as well, and it is precisely that progression in terms of Pickett's career that I'm worried about. Have we already seen it? And is his 2021 at Pitt the best he's ever going to get? I think you look at players who've come through with similar kind of similar sort of style, able to make those same passes, poise in the pocket, similar sort of style in terms of release. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going back and I'm thinking Sam Darnold, Andy Dalton, like none of those guys have blown me away when they come in, when they've come into the NFL. None of them are, you know, people we look at today and go, they're starters for teams. And I feel like that's Kenny Pickett's ceiling. And I'm really worried about how much further he's able to go when he gets into the NFL. Um, so I'm with Stu. He's my QB4. Um, 
if you if you are a team that's looking for someone just to try and come in and manage a game and get you out of get you out of trouble and you haven't got that player on your roster right now take Kenny Pickett because as as you said MJ getting him starting day 1 he is probably the most pro ready but can he be the quarterback who goes on and leads you to a super bowl he's got the leadership skills to do it has he got the ability to keep growing and keep doing that that's what that's what holds him back from being any further up my list yeah so for me Kenny Pickett is quarterback six and I totally agree when when I watch him it was Andy Dalton and I kept coming back to Andy Dalton I thought Kenny Pickett's going to be fine but he just screams bridge quarterback throughout his career which is absolutely fine there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if you can get that job then get it and I think he could have a long he could have a successful NFL career absolutely but I see it is exactly that it would just be good and you know he has put up some great numbers in 2021 he's a player who If you think about what you want your quarterback to do, he will do it and you'll be able to go, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, that was average. But do you want just average at the quarterback position anymore? And the way that I evaluate quarterbacks and see the market in the NFL right now, that if you don't have an elite superstar quarterback or at least attempting to get one, you know, even when when you're drafting, for me, you have to have that quarterback and you have to at least take a chance on a quarterback who has the potential to be a superstar elite at the position. And you know, we look at some uh, all the other quarterbacks here that we're discussing. For me, some of the others have at least a trait. You know, we're just speaking about Carson Strong just before. At least he's got a big arm. Um, that's a trait that you can really like. And I'm struggling to have that trait that I love about Kenny Pickett. And almost exactly what we were saying this time last year with Mac Jones and don't get me wrong I'd absolutely have Mac Jones rated comfortably ahead of of most of these guys but we were speaking about him as quarterback five weren't we because he didn't have the x factor he he couldn't be the he couldn't be a, a superstar and you know look Penny Pickett's experience he's got 49 games as a starter up here but I just don't see the upside I don't particularly see the ceiling and say that the hand size comes into it as well, which makes him an absolute outlier. I just don't love him, but I like him, if that makes any sense at all. So for calling Mac Jones a cheese sandwich last year, yeah, is Kenny Pickett the salmon paste sandwich of this year? Oh, I, I was going to say that you know he's he's a little bit similar, but there's at least there's a bit of pickle with the cheese for for Kenny Pickett. I, I think. Um, I think there's a little something there. Um, interestingly, you know, talking about Mac Jones, you know, yeah, we had Mac Jones at, at five last year. I, I, I think I'd have him, you know, I'd, I'd take him over a number of these. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that it's really difficult with this this group of quarterbacks to, to work out who you think is the, you know, the top one or two um, out of this group. And, um clearly there's a huge buzz around around Pickett and 
as you say, when when they're talking, somebody's going to take him, and there's been all this talk about Carolina and the the mess that they're in. Who do they go with? And and I suppose even though six would would be a, a high price, maybe they see him as a bridge for a couple of years, and may, maybe it works out. I think if you draft Kenny Pickett, then you have to be prepared to, if you are in a position to take a better quarterback next year, that you have to consider that. If you draft Kenny Pickett, you can't be like, do what the Giants have done with Daniel Jones, for instance. I'm just glad that the 99 Yards draft crew have come up with a new nickname, Kenny Pickle. (laughs) Great work, MJ. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Well done. Well done, yeah. Kenny Pickle, eh? Um, yeah, I've got Kenny Kenny Pickle. There we go as my number three. Um, and I think you you sort of nailed it there, Owen. He's you know he's he's sealing his um he's Andy Dalton, which is you know a, an okay level starter. Could be in in the league for a, a number of years. He's he's not gonna he's probably not gonna win you anything. He's um. He's, he's certainly not gonna get you too excited, but he could be an okay. Yeah, decent level starter. I do think if he goes to a team, you mentioned someone like Carolina, someone who's not really got the pieces around him, I do think he's going to struggle. Um, I think that goes for all these quarterbacks. They're lucky in a way that, you know, the chances are with this year, they might get go to a team like, say, I don't know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a lot of pieces there, maybe just need a quarterback to come in and learn and can succeed there, whereas... Usually it's great you go and pick one, two, three, and the teams are pretty rubbish. And yep, all the best. Um, I think if someone goes early, they do. Right, but in there, Brian, just, just something that I just thought of there, where you're on about the Pittsburgh. You think of the other quarterbacks that are in that division now. Do you do? Do the Steelers really want to draft a quarterback that will only ever be the worst quarterback, starting quarterback in that division? I'm Pittsburgh this year. I'm not touching the quarterback market at all. Kubisky, yeah, doom for you. Get get the best players you can and and look again either in the off season or, or or the draft next year because when you're looking at you've got Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow, you don't want to be you're losing the arms race before you've even started there. Yeah. So uh, do I want to waste a first round pick and, and or trade up in the first round this year when you could get you know, the maybe there's not that elite blue chip players we've talked about, but there's a lot of depth in the draft. And could could you get a better piece and think about quarterback down the road? I'm not sure I would be desperately rushing to to get my hands on somebody this year. I I I think all of these guys want to avoid most of the AFC by the looks of it. When you look down that list of quarterbacks, you do not want to be drafted to an AFC team, at least in the NFC. OK, you've got great quarterbacks, but most of them are in the, you know, the final few years of their, their careers. I think if you're in the AFC and you've got, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, etc., etc., you, you want to avoid them at all costs, really. Yeah, spot on. Um, so we'll see where Kenny Pickle ends up. The lack of consensus continues. I love it. Stu, we'll go to you next. Uh, Matt Corral, what is it you like about him or don't like about him? So Matt Corral is again, as I think I've said it for everyone, he's a, he's a bit of a curious case and he's really difficult to to pin down. Um, he's someone who, over the t- course of the 2021 season, Im- improved his accuracy. There was there was less of these 
multiple turnover games that we saw the year before, and I think it was only four interceptions on the on the year. He reduced that need for what I call hero ball. He definitely looked more for for check down options and the easy passes when they were there. He was taking sometimes what defences were giving him rather than than forcing it. Um, he's someone who I think is composed. He's collected. Um, even when his team is is up against it, he, he never seems to, to lose that focus. Um, he, he's got good mobility, um, which we're seeing more and more of these. Maybe not running quarterbacks, but they certainly have ability to take take yards with their legs. Uh, the, the couple of concerns for me with Matt Corral is maybe his, his arm strength and his size. I wonder if he's someone who might struggle if he's drafted into one of these cold area open stadium swirling wind type of guys and um, and I think certainly the the Ole Miss um, offense was really RPO heavy and I, and I think we've not maybe seen him in, in different concepts and I don't know is that more because of the offense or they ran that because of his skill set difficult to know until he gets somewhere else Um so a, a lot of questions I think I, I didn't think they, they were answered this year um, I still have doubts about about Corral, and for me, he was QB five. I'd um, I'd got him only a tick ahead at QB four um, there, Stu. He was the one to me that seemed to rely the most on on the rhythm of the offense and the rhythm of of the the play. Um, absolutely right that he he dropped the volatility. He he took care of the ball. Um, very few turnover-worthy plays, um, but very much RPO, um, play-action heavy. There was a lot of screen passes, um, and I think he gets thrown off his rhythm or can get thrown off his rhythm. His, his stats under pressure um, were, were, were not particularly good um, in, in terms of the comparison between the, the five QBs that I've got here. The one thing that I would say is I, I really wish that he hadn't been injured through the, the process of the last four months. I, I think, um, you know, partly why I've got him at four is it's a sort of incomplete evaluation um, to, to an extent. Um, and I think, again, applying the, the kind of rules I, w- I was looking at here for the how I arrange my top five, he may well have a higher ceiling than, than Pickett or Ridder, but I think there's... He's going to need time. He's going to need time learning whatever offense he, he goes into. Um, and so for me, that just dropped him down a bit. Um, I think talent-wise, it's there. But I think he's more of a project. So for me, Matt Corral is QB2. And I do see some of the issues which you've spoken about there and as a prospector. I also think that he, you know, he he has lost out of it because he hasn't really been involved, seen, heard from in the process. And he's almost been the invisible man and he's kind of been forgotten about for that reason. I mean, I like what he can do. He, he can run, he can throw, he's super quick, he makes quick decisions as well. If we're having a little bit of fun, his pump fake is absolutely exquisite. Chef's kiss good. But I watched you were saying there about the... Um, about the offense which they run all missing that's what Lane Kiffin does and he was never going to never going to change so I actually think that you know marking him down was the floor there I think you know the 
the offense is very samey, it's very gimmicky, but I think that held him back. I think he was better than, or he is better than what he was allowed to do while he was at Ole Miss. And so he got good size, good frame. I quite like his decision making. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, anticipation awareness is pretty good. Processes the field all right. There is just a lot of one read stuff there, but that's because that's what the offense is. And if it's not there, he, he takes off and runs because that's what he's been told to do. That's what he's been co- uh, been coached of. And he throws the ball with as much zip and force as, as anyone in this class. It's almost like he just has one speed and it's just quick. It's all... Um, very bullet throws, I would say. So I do understand. I just, I'm quite happy to to bank on the upside of Matt Crowell and say that, as, as you can see from from my rankings, that's what I'm, I'm. I was exactly the same last year when we were evaluating quarterbacks. I'm more than happy to to just to bank on the upside and hope that one of these guys becomes a superstar because you don't get anywhere drafting average players, so you might as well reach for the stars. Yeah, and I'm splitting the difference between Owen and MJ here. So I've got him as my QB3, partly because, again, Owen's just talked there about how do I stack my board? Am I banking on upside? And for me, the way I've got my like my top three and my three who I think can be decent, decent starting quarterbacks who can take teams to playoffs and contend, right? So Corral is the first of those for me that we've talked about so far this evening. I'm worried about that that deep ball throw, but I think you can engineer an offense and you can build an offense in a way that you don't necessarily need that deep ball throw all the time, and you use it occasionally to put it, you know, just to keep a defense honest. But actually, you can build it, you can build an offense around what Corral does really well, which is distribute quickly, get the ball out of his hand, find playmakers, the guys who make the yards after the catch, um, and equally make the best out of his mobility. You're never going to confuse him for someone like a Lamar Jackson or whatever who can genuinely, who could genuinely be a running back. But he has got the mobility. He has got the ability to move around and, and, and make teams defend the run as well as the pass when he's got the ball. Um, so I like that. And I think you can, you know, good offensive coordinators these days will look at that skill set, look at what he's able to do and how accurately he is able to do it and go, I can build an offense that can win with Matt Corral at quarterback. So that for me is why he's my QB three. Good stuff. So tiny bit of consensus somewhere there. I don't know, but we've yet to have a number one quarterback. Okay. How about we change that? It's about time. Where did you have him? Where did you have him? Oh, this is why I'm the host. Um, I had him (laughs) at four. Uh, There is, there is a lot to like there. And um, I think you're on upside, but you just didn't, it was really hard. With with these quarterbacks, nobody really blew me away. It was all good, but not great. Um, and I think between him and, and Kenny Pickett, I'm not too sure why I'd, I'd pick it above. But then if I'd have had Corral above, I don't I don't really know. Um, bit of upside there, but yeah, just in this this whole quarterback class in in yeah, is it can be, <laughs> be difficult? But yeah, let's let's have a let's have a QB one, okay? Let's guess the sort of uh, the upper echelon of this uh, quarterback class. Um, Craig, who's your QB one? Start off. Oh, I'm delighted you've come to me here, Brian. Um, so my QB one is Sam Howell. 
and I am going to live and die on this goddamn hill. Um, Howell, I think you've got to you've got to look at Howell in two. You've almost got to look at those last two years almost as separate entities. So take 2020 when he had a decent offensive line in front of him. He had Javante Williams and Michael Carter in his backfield. He had some good receivers, De'Ami Brower and others, to actually be able to throw the ball to. And Sam Howell, the decision-making, the accuracy, the poise in the pocket, his ability to make all the plays shows up on that tape time and time and time again. You then come into 2021 and he loses all of those pieces. The offensive line is terrible. There's nobody to help him run the ball. His best wide receiver is a freshman. And you're thinking, number one, why did he stay in school? Um, but also, actually, you know, how do you get the best out of Sam Howell? And you start to see some new things coming into his game. You see him running the ball. You see him actually getting outside the pocket, making plays with his legs. You see him finding ways to help that team win at times. And for me, I love that. I've almost seen two different quarterbacks in evaluating 2020 and 2021. And the chance to put those together on an NFL team behind a decent offensive line with some guys who can actually catch passes, with some half-decent running backs in the backfield, with an offense that's designed to get the best out of all of those, all of those things. I'm thinking that for me is someone who I believe I can win with, and I really do. I'm not going to necessarily put him into every single NFL team the way they are right now, but I think the talent levels, the ability for him to then get the best out of the players around him and make smart decisions, you see that in his decisions to throw the ball, hand the ball off to Javante Williams, use the likes of Williams and Carter. You see that in the way he uses his legs in 2021. So I really love that all of that about Sam Howell and I think good team he's got the ability to be a winner yeah as as the guys will know I'm, I'm a big Sam Howell fan um, and so why have I got him at number three I don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a tired I'm a getting old I have no bloody idea what I'm doing with these quarterbacks but if I, if I look at my notes that I've written his his notes are twice as long as anyone else's so maybe I've done my rankings wrong who knows but yeah, I mean, he's a he's a guy who record holder for yards at his um, at his college. He he's been a starter since he's a freshman, so he's got that experience. He's got he's accurate. He's got good arm strength. He he's one of these quarterbacks in the college who who works full field uh, full field progressions. You know, he's not he's not reading half fields that a lot of these guys are are doing that that they struggle to transition to the pros. He's generally fairly accurate. His his decision making is generally fundamentally quite sound. He, he sometimes for me gets a little bit risky in the end zone, um, but again it's that no risk it no biscuit. Sometimes you have to you have to go for it. Um, he his running ability in 2021 has been a major upside. You really didn't see that so much in 2020. And why would you when he's got Javante Williams and Michael Carter running for him? Um, but he then is able to make plays on the run as well, not just run with the ball. So he's he's got that mobility about him. He's got he's got a really zippy, snappy release. He's, he was a baseball player as, as a kid um high school. So you can see that kind of sometimes able to throw these odd arm angle throws that, that we see a lot of these guys win as well. So um he's quarterback three for me, but yeah, I really do like Sam Howell. 
I almost see Sam Howell and Matt Corral as almost the same grade. It was really difficult to place one above the other. So I've got Howell at three as well. But I would say there's literally nothing between him and Corral for me. And I do really like what I say. I think his deep ball is probably as good as anyone's in this draft. And yes, he's had the down year. But as the guys have said, that was that was always going to happen after losing so many weapons last season. And, you know, he's probably slipped down boards because of that reason. He's had to carry that North Carolina team solely on his own. And, you know, that to me shows good leadership abilities. Um, so, yes, he's had the down year. It has to be expected. Also, the sacks that he was taking, he's 33 sacks. Um in each of the last three seasons, that probably tells you some of the the offensive line that he was running behind. But um, you know, could he do more to escape them? I'm not sure. I do think his mechanics are really good. His footwork's really good. Ryan, you did um you did a scout report I think on the website, so go and check that out if you if you haven't seen them. There's scout reports for for all at seven quarterbacks. So if you want a yeah, an in depth view, go and check that out. But I think he might be one of the players who benefits from the slide because he may now end up on a better team that can put him in a better position with a better offensive line and better weapons and he can get back to what he was like in 2020. Yeah, so um, interesting that you mentioned him and Corral, you know, with similar grades because that's that's how I'd got it. So I'd got Corral at four and, and Howell at five, but they were effectively all like two, four and a halves. Um, and I'm probably am being unfair, and it probably is a bit of recency bias. Um, I would absolutely agree that he's put that team on his back um, this year. You've got the the real dual threat has come out. There were seven games where he was 98 yards or more running. Um, the leadership qualities are there, and yeah, his his stats were obviously far better with that better group of players around him. Um, and he will be one where, you know, it depends on where he gets drafted and what he's got around him. I, I do, I, I guess part of the reason I've got him down at five is I'm I'm slightly concerned about him now after the 2021 season and about where he is at. Um, there were there were instances of him in missing guys, so I'm 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 concerned slightly about his processing, um, and also that he's one where you know because. Corral was injured and because there was no, um, you know, there was no real stellar quarterback in this class that over the last three or four months, I was hoping he he might rise to the surface a bit more. And in all of the instances where he can, you know, perhaps move up the boards a little bit, senior bowl, things like that, he, he hasn't really taken advantage of those situations. Um, I really, I really like him as a, as a, as a talent. Um, but I just have concerns about where he's at at the moment. And I think if you, yeah, if you can draft him somewhere where you've got a strong running game, you've got a good line, you've got receivers there. But then again, I suppose we could say that for for all of them. Um, but yeah, I've got him in at five. Craig, I feel like we're going to get along because Sam Howell is also my number one quarterback. Um, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I'm not, again, as I've said before, I'm not blown away in total by all these quarterbacks, but for, for me, he's, he's the best out of this bunch. Um, as you say, he had that fantastic year in uh, 2020. Uh, following that, he 
the players that he lost to the NFL. Um, he lost nearly 5,000 yards worth of offense, and I think it worked out before 48 touchdowns. So there's a lot of talent that he's lost there. And yeah, he statistically took a step backwards last year, but I think in his gameplay in total with a slightly lesser teammate, he, he did a good job. And the, the thing for me that I really like and stands out a lot about him is that, you know, he's 21 years old. He came in as, a, as an 18-year-old. He started every game in these three years there. He's, he's the leader of that team and he, he's done a great job. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. And yeah, he's, he's the number one for me. So yeah, let's I mean, get anybody else. Sorry, Craig. I was just going to say, I think the thing the rest of the guys have said is that it's the step back from 2020 to 2021. And for me, it's not a step back. It's finding different ways to win. And I suspect that's why you've got him in the same place as I have, Brian, is because he's found new ways to win without that supporting cast. And OK, it's you know a seven and five season or whatever it was North Carolina had had last year. But it's still winning and it's still finding ways and it's still finding ways to get off to generate offense with a bunch of Frenchmen, uh, freshmen, Frenchmen. <laughs> Who's got <laughs> Frenchmen on their offensive line? Goodness me, I've been thinking Very too much about been thinking too much about Nicolas Petit Frere today with his French surname. <laughs> um, a bunch of freshmen on his offensive line, freshman wide receivers, you know, to still do what he was able to do this year and find new ways to to lead that team and, and to win games. For me, he, he's a slam dunk QB1. Absolutely. I do think if you put, if you, you sort of think about Kenny Pickett or Kenny Pickle, as he's now called, he almost had the reverse, didn't he? He had his, his amazing... 4,000 yards final season and obviously there's a little bit of recency bias and it's like wow yeah let's let's talk about that Um, you know had Sam Howell had his I think his final you know swapped his last two years and had his big final season this year I think he'd be right up everyone's board but um, we'll see but yeah I I I get it I think everyone plays when when you're playing a worse team in pretty much any sport in in any you know in any business, in any walk of life. And like you say, I, I, he certainly wasn't terrible this year, just maybe statistically not as uh, not as sexy, shall we say. But um, there we go, some sexy statistics for you there. Right, we've got a few more number ones. Well, you guys have got the same. So um, who wants the honours? MJ, who's your number one? Uh, just before I do the number one, Brian, you, on your little spreadsheet that you've got of all of our picks, do they all average out as three? Because I'm just listening to this, and you know, I've got somebody at five, and he's at one. I'm just assuming most of them average out at number three. But I, um, yeah, the player you're going to mention now, he's one. He's got average of one point four, but then it's two point six, three point two, three point two five, three point five, and then five for Carson Strong. So, well, yeah, like, I was very, I was very tightly joking. Booked. I was only joking. You've actually done it, haven't you? You've averaged like a spreadsheet. Don't you worry about brilliant. that. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's commitment to the cause, that is. Right, let's, let's get on with it. Um, number one, yeah. Um, Malik Willis. Um, it, it had to be in the end for me. So I imagined, I don't know, two years down the line, AFC Championship game, you know, you've got to go up against a Josh Allen or a Mahomes or a Burrow or a Herbert, somebody like that. And who out of this group do I think, after a couple of years, because this is going to take time, he is not going to do it from day one, who could go up against them? Um, and I had to go with Willis. I think he's got all of the all of the tools, all the traits. It's a rocket for an arm. He is a guy who kind of plays full throttle. Um, he's he's like a backyard 
quarterback, if you like, um, elusive runner. So he is he is that dual threat, you know, the the sort of the Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson type dual threat. Um, wonderful athlete. Uh, he, I think he was first for big time throws uh, last season. The, there are things you're going to have to work with, um, but I, th- I think his his um, his stats are actually comparable or even a little bit better than the likes of Josh Allen coming out. So you know you look at what Josh Allen has done done in the league, but that's taken time. That's taken two, three, four seasons to to get where he's he's got to. Um, but I was just looking down the class and thinking, okay, who who out of this? Going back to the sexy comment, who? Who's the one that is is the most exciting quarterback for me potentially? So it had to be Willis. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there, MJ. When I was talking before about you know if you're going to hang your hat on a quarterback to be the superstar, then I think Malik Willis is the one in this class that I think has the potential to be a superstar. Now I use the word potential because that's exactly what it is with Willis it's pure potential but no there's a lot of noise around Willis but he isn't without his faults you know we're now talking about him potentially going top 10 but this certainly is faults there Um, decision making has been questionable should we say Um, it definitely has improved and has improved year on year and continues to improve but it has been questionable through the first five games of 2021, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So that's a vast improvement as, as, as to where he was at. Um, but don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's definitely some boneheaded decisions and boneheaded plays, which you see where it leaves you tearing your hair out, but then you balance that out with the magnificent plays, which he can pull off. And I can't remember who it was, but there's a, which coach it was that said just give me the five best plays from a quarterback and we'll work with them and that's kind of what I was thinking here with with Willis you know he just has the traits that I think I'm happy banking on you know his his arm is more than strong enough he's quick he's explosive in terms of his athleticism arm strength phenomenal can do it all with his legs twitchy I think if I'm drafting a quarterback and I was exactly the same last year when I had Trey Lance as my quarterback too, that if I'm drafting someone who could be, I, to to be my quarterback, then I'm drafting someone who can be a superstar because you can say rattle off all the, all the names of the quarterbacks in the AFC that he seems to follow now what the NFL likes more and more in terms of arm strength and mobility. He's got them both. Yes, he has an awful lot to work on but he also has an awful lot to work with. And that's why he's my quarterback one. So rounding it out as, the, as a third person, as Malik Willis is number one, that's myself. If if at the end of those rookie contract, you were to tell me Malik Willis had made a couple of Pro Bowls and was a way to sign a $55 million a year contract, I wouldn't be surprised. But if you also told me he was smelling what the rock is cooking and hanging out with Dwayne Johnson in the XFL at the end of that rookie contract. I wouldn't be surprised either. I think there's that diversity of a swing, what you can get with, with Malik Willis. Um, and, and he isn't the perfect prospect. And, and I think we all know that. But but if I'm a general manager 
I would rather get fired for having had the balls to pick Malik Willis and gone for that potential than get sacked for having five years of boring winners with Kenny Pickett. And that's why I stand with Malik Willis. Um, I, I think he's he's my number one almost entirely on what that ceiling can be. He's got an absolute cannon of an arm, but he, he needs to learn how to use that cannon. Um, he's an electric athlete. He's really twitchy. And he's also got that sound character. You know, we've heard he's interviewed very well. People, very humble guy. People really like him. He's not really been helped, I don't think, by the situation at Liberty. It's not been a great team that he's been playing on and he's had to do a lot of it on his own but I think he's got the things that are not teachable you can't teach his arm you can't teach his athletic ability these other guys have things that that you can teach Malik Willis with a bit of time and a bit of patience and a bit of effort and and that's from my is me he's he's number one with absolutely no confidence and and I'm, I think next year I'm going to be ill when we talk about quarterbacks just leave me with the trenches and I'll be happy Having we introduced this segment talking about Brian's spreadsheet, and as an accountant who also loves a spreadsheet, I've worked out we've both got him as QB2. Um, thanks, Brian. Uh, and I think it's it's precisely what you guys have all just said, right? You're betting on that upside. And if I'm, I think I'm with you, highest ceiling from this quarterback class, I'd go Malik Willis. If I'm, as you said, Stu, if I'm a general manager, particularly if I'm picking in the top five, top 10, I'm on a bad team and maybe I'm on a historically bad team. Am I betting on bringing in that spark, that live wire, that's someone who's really going to make a difference to my franchise? And am I going to draft Malik Willis? Absolutely. Yes, I am. But why do I have him as my QB2? And why do I have him below Howell? It's that fear of the floor. And it's Am I worried about him going and hanging out with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the XFL? And and would I rather be a perennial playoff contender and maybe win a Super Bowl with someone like Howell or risk losing my job to win five Super Bowls? And that's, for me, where you are with these two guys. It's that complete contrast of low floor, high ceiling or decently high ceiling, but a, a relatively high floor as well. Um, you talk about the traits with Willis and you're all absolutely spot on with everything you've said. The excitement factor is there. That's those intangibles that he will bring to wherever he ends up being drafted will potentially be more valuable than actually what he is right now as a quarterback. And I think I just, I, I worry though, because you say we've got to work with, or you're going to have teams are going to have to work with those, like what it is he can do and, and turn that into what it is the rest of the guys do. The problem is that some of the teams that might well draft him in the top, you know, top five, top six of this draft aren't necessarily known for hiring the right coaches and developing those sorts of players. And that would be my other concern um, with where he might end up as a pro but I totally get all of the upside guys and and he's my QB too for those exact same reasons. I'm probably going to really show my age with this one, but in, in talking about a completely different sport, when, we, when we're talking about football as well, I almost, it almost reminds me of a way of going back, someone who played football in Aspria, who used to play for Newcastle, and you have absolutely no bloody idea what you're going to get. 
but it could be absolutely amazing. Um, and that's why I kind of have that feeling about Malik Willis. He has a, he, he's just going to create magic at some point, and I think that's really what you're betting on. Sometimes it's going to be utter rubbish, and you have no idea what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis, but damn, it'll be fun. Malik Willis will never score a hat-trick at home against Barcelona, will he, Owen? I don't know. <laughs> you live up there, right? Well, yeah, but I don't hey, care. But you're always oh, about, to, I don't know, 20 years younger than me or something. Who knows? Oh, I remember Tino from when I was a kid, though. And you're right, you never knew what he was going to do. But oh, that Champions League night against Barcelona at St. James's Park, what a, what a hat-trick that was. Sorry, I sidelined us a wee bit there. <laughs> Don't worry, that was straight over my head as well, but I'll, uh, I'll look it up on YouTube. So what does kids do these days, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you're spot on there, Craig, with your uh, Excel and accounting knowledge. Malik Willis is my number two quarterback as well. Uh, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's that super high ceiling, pretty low floor. Um, yeah, he, he's hit some, some of his highlights are absolutely outstanding. And he is, he's almost your, your prototypical modern day quarterback as we said before as Carson Strong was your sort of a uh, 90s quarterback Malik Willis is sort of if you could build a quarterback for the modern NFL that'd be him although I'd, I'd like him to be maybe a bit more accurate um and, and maybe played at a higher level but here we are um so yeah for me he's number two um I agree he could it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was the best you know one of the best players well, the best quarterback in this draft, maybe even one of, one of the best players coming out of this draft in a couple of years' time, but it wouldn't shock me at all if, like you say, he's in the he's in the XFL or whichever one it is with the, I can't keep up with all these leagues, um, USFL, though it's all going on. Um, a different league, maybe up in Canada, maybe doing something else in a couple of years. Um, it could go either way, couldn't it? Um, but yeah, he's definitely got, he's got some of the traits and, and the talents and the, the athleticism that, that teams are going to love. Um, and yeah, I mean, you see him getting mocked anywhere from, well, two or three onwards. And it, it, I don't know. He could go anywhere. But yeah, that that does our top five quarterbacks. And that was fun. I think we all had fun. Everyone's nodding. A few nodding. Yeah, good. Um, and there we go. That's That's our top five series done for another year. We've touched on over 75 prospects. Um, and before we finish, I guess I'd like to say a big thank you from myself and all the listeners um, for you guys, our, uh, our proper scouts, not not just me, who um, put in all the hours, put in all the work um, to deliver all these great scouting reports, both on the website, but on the podcast. There's so much information on there. Um, you really dig down into all the prospects. So thank you all very much. Um, so what should we do with all this uh, top five draft knowledge that we know? I think we should do a final Draft talk, mock draft. How about that? Well, that's coming up in our next episode. Keep an eye out for that. Sounds pretty good. And of course, there's plenty of stuff on the website, 99yards.com. Oh, I mentioned before, we've uh, scouted reports on on all these guys and plenty more. There's so much information on there. Do check it out. And of course, our Twitter at 99yards. There'll be loads of stuff coming up as we head into the draft. And it's not long away at all. How exciting. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back very soon. Uh, Take it easy. (laughs) 